Hey there, everybody. What a blessing to join together with you. I am so very grateful. So we are doing Effective Spiritual Practice Week 3. <laughs> and uh, gosh, I really do love these classes. It's such a gift to me to be able to go over and share these wonderful teachings with you. So thank you for giving me that opportunity. Let's take that breath of love and gratitude together and join together in prayer. So we're grateful. We're thankful to open our hearts and open our minds together. We're grateful and thankful to allow ourselves this gift of waking up. We're giving ourselves the gift of saying yes to infinite wisdom, true intelligence, divine love, unlimited abundance. We're going for the total healing. <laughs> we're partnering up with the higher Holy Spirit self and we're consciously recognizing our own perfection, our own wholeness. We're willing to see it, to be it, to know it, to feel it. We are grateful and thankful to gather together for this purpose. Our class is a time of healing. We are grateful to give ourselves this gift. We are grateful that we share the gift with everyone because we're one with them. We are grateful and thankful to open ourselves to the highest possibilities of love flowing through our life, flowing through our heart, flowing through our mind. We're grateful and thankful to share the benefits with everyone because we are one with them. In gratitude, we let the healing be. In gratitude, we know it's done. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Yes, indeed. All right. So, <laughs> um, gosh, I have so much to share as usual, and so last week we were really looking at how our experience happens. So how is it that we experience pain and suffering? How does it come into being? Is it happening to us? No, it's not happening to us. And there's no one to blame that we're taking 100% responsibility without any blame. And so we're using this extremely valuable awareness of what I call the divine alarm clock. And so the divine alarm clock is when we begin to feel, sense, know, identify, recognize that our thoughts are not making us happy, when our thoughts feel upsetting. So the first place that the divine alarm clock is going off is in our awareness of our thoughts. 
So this is why the number one uh, tool in this divine alarm clock process is being willing to be the observer. So we become the observer of our thoughts, our feelings. And it's like taking a step back. And you may have heard this in many other classes because it's it's classic uh, for our distancing ourselves from believing every thought that passes through our mind. We must become the willing observer, willing to observe and not be identified with the thoughts that we're thinking. So being able to notice, oh, I, I'm recognizing that my thoughts are starting to go in a negative direction. Oh, I'm noticing that I'm starting to obsess about this thing and to nip it in the bud right away. And uh, one thing I can tell you as an example is uh, something that used to happen to me uh, on a regular basis was I would be falling asleep at night and there would come this thought in my mind that would frighten me. Like a thought... um, I don't think they like me. A thought, my boss is disappointed in me. Uh, A thought, uh, just any kind of a thought like that. And there would be this instantaneous jolt right through my body. And I would snap awake fear. So I just want to see by a show of hands, for those who are listening on the phone, uh, start to to raise your hand if you've ever had that experience where you're falling asleep and you just are jolted awake by some thought that appears in your mind. Start to to raise your hand if you've ever had that experience. I'm not going to call on you, but I just uh, want to see if you too have had those experiences. So pretty much most of the people who are listening on the phone have raised their hands. All right? So it's a pretty common thing. Sometimes uh, it happens in the morning. Sometimes it happens in the middle of the night. Uh And so what is the cause of that jolt, that physical jolt? It's the thought. It's the thought. It's that fearful thought that just is like a jolt of electricity. And it uh, can start the adrenaline, the heart pumping. I've definitely had that uh, experience many, many, many times I used to have it. And... uh, it would start this whole cycle sometimes that would keep me up for hours thinking and thinking about all these details, worry, 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 worry. And that was the divine alarm clock going off. But I didn't know all the times those happened to me. I didn't realize that what was going on was... I was believing thoughts that weren't true. 
And why was it happening to me? It was happening to me because I had been thinking attack thoughts. And attack thoughts are like throwing a boomerang out into the world. A boomerang is going to come back. And what I realized was it's going to come back and it's going to hit me in the head. It's going to hit me in the heart. It's going to hit me in the gut. That's what attack thoughts are like. They're like angry, vindictive, painful boomerangs. So there's that saying, what goes around comes around. And uh, I learned a long time ago that really what goes around comes around and it picks up momentum on its way. That's how it feels to me. And so I was extremely grateful when I finally realized that, A, if I have been sending attack thoughts, attack boomerang thoughts out into the world with great intensity and I realize what I'm doing, I can, in that very moment, have a healing. I can change my mind. I can go the other way. I can choose again. And I don't have to suffer the consequences of my unmindful thinking. I can really, truly give it all to the Holy Spirit for healing. And I've had a number of experiences where I made a poor decision and I was unkind. I was thoughtless. I was mean. I was revengeful, okay? And I really was intentionally hurtful. And then I realized that's not how I want to be in this world. That's not how I want to live. And making that decision from a place of loving myself as well as loving others, changing my mind, and really giving it up to God and saying, I've made an error here. This is not how I want to live my life. I do not wish to inflict pain on others. I don't want to try to control everything. That's really not my wish. I wish to surrender. I wish to to be happy. I wish to be a loving and beneficial presence in my family, in my relationships, in every activity in my life. I wish to bring joy. And I don't always know how. And I get confused. But I I take it all back. I really am not interested in that. And I learned that if I could forgive myself, then the real healing could happen. So in this understanding of healing, It's so important and valuable for us to understand all is one. We share the same mind. It looks like there are so many of us, billions of people on this planet, but we all share the same mind. And if we're willing, if we're interested, we can actually have miraculous, beautiful experiences where we realize that there is the one mind. And we can see how 
what some people would call coincidences are not coincidences. They're how this world works. And forgiveness is what A Course in Miracles tells us is our function. Our function in this world is forgiveness. And forgiveness is one of the most misunderstood things in this world. Oh boy, have I learned that. Because I used to think forgiveness meant, I was saying, it's okay. It's okay. What you did to me, all that, that's okay. That's okay now. But that's not what forgiveness is. And that's really a misrepresentation of what forgiveness is. That's what the ego would like us to believe forgiveness is, so that we never choose it, unless we're a doormat, right? So what true forgiveness is, and many of you who have been in class with me for a while, been listening to my radio show for a while, you'll know this already. But let me say this about what you know and what you don't know. (laughs) Because... When I, I, I was sharing this with someone earlier today, and it's one of the most beautiful lessons of my life. So I used to go to spiritual talks and go to services at Agape and different places like that, go to workshops and retreats and things with many, many different spiritual teachers. And I would sit in the audience, and many times I would sit there with my arms folded across my chest, protecting my heart, right? And thinking, as I listened to the teacher, I would think, I know that. I know that. I know that. Duh. I know that. Oh, my God, that's Spirituality 101. When are you going to get to the deep stuff? Oh, my God, I can't believe this. And with this sense of superiority, feeling like I could do it better, when is the good stuff going to happen, over and over again. What I didn't know at the time was I was just giving my ego a field day to keep me from opening my mind. So in other words, I was so entrenched in my ego, I couldn't hear anything. I couldn't learn anything. What I finally began to realize was the Holy Spirit, or the higher Holy Spirit self, as I call it, is always speaking to me through everyone all of the time. So if I'm rejecting anything that anyone is sharing with me, I'm rejecting the Holy Spirit. There's something for me to learn in every moment. Let me be the joyful learner instead of the critical ego. And as I was sharing with someone today, now when I sit in an audience and listen to a spiritual teacher uh, teaching truth, I frequently find myself sort of almost involuntarily as they're teaching or speaking, I'll say, yes, oh, it's true, thank you, thank you for saying it, yes, 
Oh, amen to that. Over and over and over again. So now, when I hear things that I could say, or I would have said in the past, I know that. Duh. I I hear the same exact things, and I say, yes, I love it. So true. Thank you for saying it. And when I hear the truth, when I'm listening to with my heart, even if I've heard it thousands of times before, it lifts me up. It excites me. Many times it's just thrilling. It's so invigorating. It's exciting. Even though I've heard it so many times before, because I know it now, and there are many times when I, I'm 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 uh, still figuring it out, but when I know that I know, it's so wonderful. It's exciting. Again and again and again, it never grows old. It's delightful, and I see that with many other people in my life. That uh, if 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 I'm giving a talk and there's a spiritual teacher in the room or a, someone who already knows what I'm talking about, they too get excited. Yes, yes, it's true, it's true. Because for so long, we labored in vain. We wandered in the desert. And each awareness of the truth is really quite thrilling. Again and again and again. It just doesn't get old. It doesn't get tired. In a sense, I keep waiting for the time when uh, talking about spirituality could ever be boring, like that could ever happen. There's There's a thought sometimes that, wow, it's still so interesting to me. It's still so exciting to me. I I don't get bored. It's still thrilling to me every day to think about the truth and to have a greater understanding of the truth. This past weekend, I was very fortunate. I was able to get together with... um, seven different uh, people who've been in Masterful Living over the years and uh, currently and and past. And oh, I'm going to sneeze. Oh, sorry, I muted myself out during the sneeze. <laughs> we've, we've had a cold snap here in New Jersey, in New York area, and so... The heat has been turned up again, and oh, my sinuses um, must be a karmic thing that uh, I'm healing because my my sinuses just don't like dry, dry heat. So I woke up this morning with a bit of a sinus thing. Anyway, so it was wonderful to get together with some Masterful Living students, and uh, we were talking about this a bit, how... um, we can be so, so grateful to be able to do this work, to be able to do it together, to be able to see light on the path and to feel that we're headed in a direction that we know is truly beneficial, where we're letting go of the past, that uh, we can just uh, just cry with great gratitude. Um, and I, I know 
for me when I first started studying A Course in Miracles. I used to cry, cry and cry and cry great sobs of tears because I was so grateful to have that book in my hand. And I have been studying spirituality for years. I was a minister at that point. And uh, I just was so, so grateful to have these words of my teacher readily available to me. It wasn't hidden anymore, and I could understand it, and I was so, so grateful for that. And uh, now I'm so, so grateful to be able to share with you. And so in this experience of our healing, our gift that we give to ourselves is this willingness to cultivate the ability to observe, observing our thoughts, observing our feelings, observing the divine alarm clock going off, and then moving into this place of being grateful that we can recognize the divine alarm clock is going off. In other words, our thoughts are not peaceful. And then, as I shared last week, uh, when our thoughts are not peaceful, then our emotional body begins to become upset. And if we don't intercept, at some point it travels into the physical body and out into our life and our experiences. But we have the power, we have the ability to intercept all of that and to notice as soon as that divine alarm clock goes off, Aha, I can change my mind. I can go the other way. I do not know what anything is for. So let me not pretend. Let me not misinterpret what's going on. Everything works together for my good. I'm grateful to affirm and know that without exception. And again, as I said last week, we don't have to make sense of it. And this is one of the big time savers for us in our spiritual practice is to say, there is that within me that knows the truth. It's written in my heart. I am the knower who knows. The I am that I am is the knower that knows. And I am willing to sit with the I am presence of my being, the higher Holy Spirit self, same thing. And I am willing to know the truth. I am willing to be still and know that I am is God. And that the I am is what I am. That I am made in the spiritual image and likeness of the Creator, and I do not have to run around this world trying to make things better. Instead, I can live a life of joy and start seeing things correctly. And it takes a great willingness. So we're cultivating the willingness to be the observer instead of thinking that we already know to recognize, yes, yes, there is a knowing, and I'm going to find it. 
So it's not going to be my opinion. It's not going to be my judgment. It's going to be the truth that sets me free. So that willingness, developing that willingness to be grateful every time you recognize the divine alarm clock going off and to to realize that when we recognize the divine alarm clock going off, that means our spiritual practice is deepening. And that means we can interrupt the pattern. In my experience, interrupting the pattern is nine-tenths of the healing. Because when that pattern gets interrupted by us, then it's on its way out. And by interrupting the pattern, I mean this. Okay? So let's say something is happening that we don't enjoy and we're upset and we're thinking it should be different. We're starting to feel frustrated. We're starting to feel irritated. Starting to feel sad. Starting to feel hurt. Starting to feel angry. Starting to feel jealous. Starting to feel guilty. Right? Our feelings are so helpful to us. When we start to feel those things, we can just right in that moment partner up in gratitude. Oh, I'm so grateful. I remember I have a spiritual practice to interrupt this pattern. I am not a victim of this pattern. This pattern is not happening to me. It's happening by me and therefore I can be the one who interrupts it. And I don't have to figure out where to go from here or how to solve the problem in the world. I just have to be willing to interrupt the pattern and to choose again, to look for the more loving choice. So before I go any further in this, what I would love to do is see, does anybody have any um anything they'd like to share about having uh, practiced this and uh, noticing the divine alarm clock. What what have you been seeing and observing that maybe you didn't see or observe before? And any questions about it? Uh, so if you're on the phone, you can raise your hand with a star two. And um, I can call on you. And then uh, I'm going to also, I have a question here from Laurel. So just give me a moment. So again, start two if you're on the phone and you'd like to share an example of something you've recognized of interrupting the pattern of recognizing the divine alarm clock going off or any questions about that at all and Laurel writes in hi Jennifer and everyone I'm still a bit confused with the statement I am that I am I understand what it means I don't understand the word that is it an adjective a noun I'm a writer and words, grammar, etc. are meaningful to me. I just don't understand what I am saying with that word. Can you please help? Much love. 
Much, much love, she says. <laughs> so sure, I can definitely help with that. So the I am is another name for God. Okay? And so it's saying, I am that I am. I am the I am that created the world. I am that I am. That's what it means. I am that I am. I am that one. I am that spirit that is in and through everything. That is the all in all. That's the I am that I am. So let me know if that works for you. <laughs> All right. And Laurel's raising her hand. Okay. Hey, Laurel. Hello, Jennifer. I'm sorry if I'm a little um, uh, muted. My phone is not working real well. I'm, I'm trying to speak up. Am I okay? Uh, yeah, I can hear you. You are faint, but I can hear you. Okay. Um, okay, so that in, in this sentence is an adjective. I'm that one. I'm that I am, as opposed to this I am or somebody else's I am. Right. Okay, now I get it. Now I can say it and know what I'm saying and really get it. Um, can I can I share something that is just happening as we're talking about sure. a divine alarm clock. <laughs> uh, I, I just had a phone call today with a friend who's in a really, really difficult, challenging uh, situation. And she's in a lot of fear. She's she's paralyzed with fear. And when she called me, she said she didn't mean to go into all of the details um, of the woes, but that's what she did. And I found myself trying to help and give all these great suggestions that, that I've been learning from this class. And <laughs> she didn't ask for that, um, but I didn't realize that. And I just kept throwing out what I thought were really helpful suggestions, and she just kept saying, no, but, no, but. Uh, or yes, but, or whatever. And I found myself getting really frustrated and really angry and thinking to myself, wh why is she calling me? You know, does she just want to dump on me? I, I don't understand. I mean, I, I really would love to help her. I love her, and I really have some things I think would be so helpful for her right now. But the phone call just ended in me just saying, I, I have to get off the phone. Uh, I'm so frustrated. And her apologizing for rambling on about that. So as you were just talking about the divine alarm clock, though, I just realized I do that too. Yeah. I I do that exact thing sometimes where I just, I'm just so attached to my negativity. Yep. And I just don't want anybody to try to talk me out of it. Yep. And why would that be? Why would you not want anyone to talk you out of it? Oh, I haven't gotten that far. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good question. 
um, I mean, at that point, I am just so stubbornly being attached to my separation uh, and in my ego. Right. And why would you be attached to your your unhappiness? Well, that's what I'm learning in this yeah. class, that that is... That is the old way, and unconsciously I've been doing that for a lot of my life. Yeah. And as I step back and look at it, I go, my goodness, why would I choose to do that? Yeah. Uh, It's kind of, it's really counterproductive to what I'm aiming for here. Yeah. But I have to, but I have to say, Jennifer, that until this class, I, I didn't realize the the importance of intention right and of realizing that i actually can make these statements that this is how i want to think and this is how i would like my life to feel i i just always kind of poo-pooed that before right i, I didn't see the strength and the power in it uh, kind of like what you were saying was oh this is so basic I've been listening to people talk about intentions, you know, for uh, 30 years. 100 years, yeah. Exactly. I mean, boring. I mean, tell me something I don't know. You know, only to find out I didn't know. (laughs) I'm only beginning to know it. That's it. I thought I knew so much. And one of the things for me, Laurel, was I thought, okay, I've studied and studied. I know all this. But what frightened me, deeply, deeply frightened me, to the point where I really was afraid to look at it, really afraid to look at it. And so instead of looking at it, I would drink too much, smoke too much, eat too much, exercise too much, talk too much, whatever too much, because I was so terrified to look at it. What I thought was, I've studied all this. I know all this. But it is not working for me at the level that I think it has to be able to work. I just knew that spirituality was the way, but why is my life still effed up? Why am I still having these uh, outbursts of anger and rage and, and being mean and cruel why am I still uh, having these outbursts of self-medication and self-destruction and self-sabotage? Why am I still feeling afraid and worried and still having trouble paying my bills and on and on and on? Why is all this still happening to me if this stuff is supposed to work? What am I doing wrong? And so then what I was afraid to really look at was this deep-seated belief that there is something just fundamentally bad or wrong with me. It's me. And um, I, what, what changed everything for me, Laurel, was I became willing and committed to not seeing anyone as bad or wrong. And my commitment to that, not seeing anyone as bad or wrong, helped me stop seeing myself that way. And so 
I, I, I literally started to do all the things that I now teach in my classes. And the number one thing was to do this take out the trash work of really recognizing just how much I was judging everything all the time and to stop it and to do the deep forgiveness work. And I thought the deep forgiveness work would really be very, very difficult. But I realized it's not, but it is continuous. There's a, there's just a lot of it until there's less of it. And then there's less and less and less and less. But when we first start looking at it, because we've been afraid to look at it for so long or uh, just unwilling to look at it for so long, uh, when we do start to really look at it, it is like, oh, my God, there's so much of it. But, you know, if you've got to move a thousand bricks and you just start moving uh, two or three a day, you know, in a few months, those bricks will be moved. So, you know, that's why we do this. And um, I, I want to go back to something important uh because I don't want to skip over it. And we will get more, much more into this in our relationship classes, which are coming. It's, I wish there was some way I could do all of it at once, simultaneously. But, um, but I, I, So I lay a foundation of spiritual practice and prayer practice and trust and faith. And then we... And I mix in some of the relationship stuff along the way because our relationships are so helpful for us in changing our mind and, and healing our mind and interrupting the pattern. But what you're talking about is uh, your experience with your friend is classic, right? You recognize it as classic. Mm-hmm, I do. The classic repeating experience. Have you ever had it before? Um, well, I, I, I've had that kind of scenario go on, yes. Yeah. But yeah, I've never had the realization that I'm sharing that, oh, I right. do that too. <laughs> right, exactly. A, a few minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. So, first of all, when uh, a lot of us, when something is very fresh, something just happens. Right. I just found out my spouse is got a, a a lover, or I just found out that uh, I'm gonna I'm bank I'm gonna have to declare bankruptcy, or I just found out that someone I care about is a drug addict, or you know something. Uh, you know I just got fired. Right. In that moment, most people are they just need to. Speak how they feel. They don't need or want any advice. They can't even hear it. They just need to be able to have a place where they can go, where someone... And I, it took me so long to learn this, Laurel, because I was always a know-it-all. I was a know-it-all that wouldn't take my own advice. Right? The worst kind of know-it-all. You know, that was me. I could give it, but I couldn't take it, right? So uh, so I used to do exactly what you did. 
right? And I would have exactly the same experience where my friends would be saying, no, you don't understand. No, no, I I can't do that because of this. Well, you see, yes, wouldn't it be great if I could do that? But I can't do that because of this. My hole is deeper than you can even conceive of. Stop thinking you could just throw me a rope and I'll climb up out of the hole. It's much deeper than that. And it's slippery and it's muddy. And it's it's filled with feces. And I think there's snakes and bugs down here. Don't think that it's, you know, the kind of hole that you've experienced. No, my hole is much worse than your hole. You don't even know about how bad my hole is. Right? Yes. And so when someone is, and not that you did the wrong thing, because obviously you've had a great realization and you can go back to your friend. And, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you some thoughts about how to do that. But that's, you see, when someone comes to us with, or we go to someone and say, you know, oh, my God, I'm freaking out. I've got this big problem. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And the person says, oh, well, here's what you do. You just do this and this and this. Then we're not recognizing their feelings. And what they really came for us for was to have someone essentially put their arms around them and say, there, there, honey, it's going to be okay. But for me as a spiritual know-it-all, I would just be like, okay, here's what you do. And I I never went to that place of, oh, honey, oh, I'm so sorry this is happening to you. Because my part of my training as a spiritual a student was don't give the problem any power. Don't give the problem any power. Nobody has a problem. There are no problems in this world. There's just one problem. It's the stinking thinking. And we can, we've, got, we've got a solution for the stinking thinking. So let's not energize the problem. But people need to talk about how they feel. I need to talk about how I feel. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I remember one time a friend of mine called me up and said, can I talk with you? Something terribly upsetting has just happened to me, and I I need to talk with you. And I said, yes, absolutely. You've got my full attention. And she said, but don't tell me what to do. I don't want to know anything about what to do. Just let me me get it out, (laughs) you know, because she knew me a long time, right? So, And and I said, go for it get it all out and so uh and sometimes when i'm talking with uh, a student a friend a colleague and i'm visiting um uh some family uh i'll I'll get off the phone right and and i have one particular member of my family they will just come over and say oh honey oh i'm so oh oh honey i'm so sorry to hear that. And she'll she's making fun of me because she's she's been listening to me say, "Oh, I'm so oh, honey, honey." But you see, I I couldn't do that for a long time. I really because I just didn't want to energize that anything bad was happening. That's how mm. I thought if I were to say, "Oh, honey, I'm so sorry." that I would be agreeing in a, to some pity party. Mm-hmm. But there's a skill in being able to listen to someone 
share their upset and their hurts and their freak out and their meltdowns to be a comfort to them without giving them even the tiniest bit of advice. Just let them go until they're done. It's very healing, you know, and um, uh, there's a real skill to it, too, to be able to just say, well, so then what happened? You know, and then what did you say? And what did they do? So that you're you're really interested in what they're sharing. You're interested in them, and you're giving them that non-judgmental space to just get it out. And then to be able to say things like, I know you're going to come through this. I know it's rough now, but I know you're going to come through this. I know you will. But that's really what's comforting and helpful to people. And, you know, I learned I learned this in part the hard way with my father. He was a really good teacher for me about this. And uh, I've shared about this before because I had two different times where I was trying to give my father some advice. And when we're giving people advice that they haven't asked for, what are we essentially saying to them? Fundamentally, we're saying, you don't know what's best. I know what's best. And this is what you should do. Because I know better than you. You've lost your way, but I have clarity of sight. And I'm going to help you because you need my help. So on the two occasions that I gave my father some advice that he did not ask for, that's what he heard. Those, that's basically what he heard. And he got really angry with me. He said, I am not your student. I am not your client. And I do not want your advice. And he was very angry. And I, the second time it happened, I was like, okay, I am not doing that anymore. That is disrespectful. (laughs) And what I also know about my father is on a number of occasions, uh, he has come to me and he said, I'm having a challenge with this person in my life or this situation. And um, I could use your advice. Can I talk with you about it? We make a time to talk about it. And I'm, I'm there as the, you know, with all my skills as a teacher, as a counselor. And he lays out the situation. And I, 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 I basically treat it just like a counseling session, except maybe not as metaphysical maybe as with someone who's in class with me, but I treat it that same way and I say, you know, I think this is why this is happening. I think, you know, and I ask him questions. How do you feel about it? What do you think about it? So I can see, you know, what what the lesson is and where his mind is with it and how his thoughts about it are creating the situation so that he can change his mind about it and create a different situation. And he's always very grateful. 
and then he'll come back to me a week or two or whatever later and say, you know, I did what you suggested. It worked beautifully. Thank you so much. And I realized I compared the experiences. He's angry. He's shouting at me. He's hurt. Or he's happy. He's pleased. He's grateful. Well, I, I, I'd rather learn through joy. So I stopped with everyone. I stopped giving them advice they didn't ask for. Because people who don't ask for advice do not wish it. So why would I give it to them? They're not asking for it. It was hard for me, yeah. you know, it was a painful lesson. But now I can say, hey, I know for sure people do not want unsolicited advice. And that's why in our sacred circles, in our community calls, we don't give unsolicited advice. I mean, I was actually taught at one point, it obviously didn't uh, reach <laughs> reach into where it really uh you know, connected. But I was actually taught that, you know, giving unsolicited advice is actually it's actually an attack. I mean, which is what you you're saying, but I mean but that's yeah. really the word that I was taught. Right. It's so an intrusion. Yeah. Yeah. So what is what could you go back to your friend with and own the experience and what could you say to her? Oh, I I know exactly what I wanted to say to her. I, I you know I I deeply apologize for assuming that that you were asking for help, you know, and and I was coming from that place, and therefore I was really missing the boat in terms of what you really needed, and I I really get it that what you really needed was for me to just listen. And tell you I love you, and tell you that I believe that everything's going to be okay, because you're a magical person. Yeah. Yeah. And what else could you say that might be comforting? You're not alone. Uh huh. Mm. And I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you are suffering. Yeah. I am. I am so sorry. Yeah, it's, people like to know, you know, my heart goes out to you, and you're in my prayers. And I, I know that you will make it through this. And I'd like to do what I can to support you in that. And you know what you might also say, Laurel, is you might also say something like, and I, I and I, I felt this was inherent in what you just shared with me, but to say, I want you to know you have just taught me a very valuable lesson. Mm-hmm. And I won't forget yeah. it. It's a good thing for, for a know-it-all to say out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody else. Yes. Yeah. You know, and I, I've I've even said to people, I'm I'm sorry that what I just did was disrespectful. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how fast people get over it when you just mm-hmm. own it. Mhm. 
because everybody makes mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, when I sometimes I think of it when um, my niece, who's now in college, when she was about four years old, I was reading her story, and um, I passed gas, and she could smell it. Mm-hmm. And she she said, did you just boof? That was the name for it, boof. Mm-hmm. Did, did you just boof? And I said, I did, Olivia. I boofed. And she said, mm-hmm. she shrugged her shoulders and she said, everybody boof. <laughs> you know, and so that's the thing is, you know, when we can own it and say, you know, I was disrespectful. Then we're, it's, it's to me, it's part of my self-forgiveness process, mm-hmm. taking responsibility. When I yeah, that really want, feels good. Yeah, right. Yes, it's a relief because we've all had experiences where someone said, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I just whatever. I stepped on your foot." I, I whatever I did, you know, I I harshed your buzz. I'm so sorry. And if we really mean it, then uh, I, I mean, if if they really mean it, if whoever really means it, then most people can say, hey, you know, stuff happens. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. Because it's really not about whether or not. We make errors in our thoughts, in our perceptions, in the, or that even that we have unloving behaviors. It's are we willing to learn and grow through them? Are we willing to respect each other? Are we willing to honor each other and recognize each other? Because we're all growing together. The hardest thing is when people refuse to acknowledge and when I used to refuse to acknowledge, it was because I felt so bad and so wrong already that to add one more thing that I had done wrong was would be the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to own anything because I was already owning I there's something horribly wrong with me. I couldn't handle any more. So always wanted to blame everything on everybody else. Oh, that, thank you. That was that was just a really good aha for me. How so? I just I notice now, and, and you know, as I'm observing myself, how quickly my mind goes into blame. It's like it's like the first automatic thing it does. Something's wrong, oop, or somebody's to blame. And it's, right. of course, not me at the beginning. But if I notice myself doing that a lot, and I'm sure I've, I've been doing it my whole life, it's just now I'm really seeing it. Yeah. And and you know what it is, Laurel. It, this this is how we operate as a culture. Uh, if, so if you think of some major disasters, like 
the whole thing with Enron, remember that? Mm-hmm. Or the Gulf oil spill, major disasters and things where there's human in- error involved. We go berserk until we can blame somebody, and as soon as we've got somebody we can blame, then we can calm down. Mm-hmm. So it's what we do as a culture. It's what the ego does. And do you think in general, Jennifer, because what you were just saying where I went, aha, was you were you were connecting that to having had, you know, just an overabundance of thinking that you weren't okay. Right. And that you already were wrong. Do you think right. that is what's underlying in the culture too? Yes. Yep. It's it's the the unworthiness. It's the separation thinking. Mm-hmm. It's that what a course in miracles talks about that guilt. And and this is one of the things that I I wanted to uh, share about today and. Uh, I'm going to go, I'll go into that. So I'm going to, uh, there's, there is some static on your line, so and I'm, I'm, I'm more aware of it right now. So I'm just going to put you on mute, and if you want to raise your hand again, please do. And that was a wonderful, very helpful share, Laurel. Thank you, Jennifer, as yeah. always. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure. All right. So the the fundamentals of forgiveness are really not judging. So if we're not judging, there is no blame, there is no shame, there is no regret. There's no resentment. There's no hurt. There's no sadness. There's no anger. And there's no fear. Our judgments and opinions have a purpose. Most of the time, we are not aware of the purpose. But the purpose really is that we would deny God and basically say, God does not know. I know. God has left the building, and now I'm in charge. So I am going to be the one who decides. Because if God were here things would not be in such a mess. I'm separate from God. God is not here. God has left me in charge. God has abandoned me. Or I ran away from God. Could be either one. And sometimes we go back and forth. And so now I'm in charge. I'm the one who has to decide who's good and who's bad, who's right and who's wrong, who will be punished and who will be praised. It's all up to me. And that's why when we move into judgment and thinking, this one's bad, that one's wrong, this one's good, that one's right, we start thinking in that way, we are 
going to be feeling afraid pretty soon. It's coming. It's right around the corner every time. Because what could be more terrifying than the idea that we would be the God of this world? Us on our own. Because we've all had experiences where we wanted to smite someone, wish them ill well, ill 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 will. <laughs> ill well, that's another way to say it. And and so we've had these mean, vindictive thoughts, right? Haven't most of us said unkind things to the people we loved most? Haven't we tried to control them and manipulate them? Haven't we thought they were doing things wrong, they should do it differently, and thinking that we knew better? We've had all of these kinds of thoughts, and yet, at the very same time, we think we don't know. We're afraid because we don't know. We're worried because we don't know. So we go back and forth between thinking we know and we don't know. And so the very idea that our thoughts would manifest with lightning speed, and we bring things into fruition very quickly, that would be terrifying because we know there are times when we would like to hurt people. And we don't really want to hurt people, even though sometimes we feel like we really do want to hurt people, at least emotionally. And just lash out at them. Say mean things about them. Say that they're they're stupid or bad. Idiots, morons. And since there's only one, who are we saying these things about? Ourselves. There's nothing we could say about anyone on this planet that we wouldn't also be saying about ourselves. You know, with, I mean, look, if we say, oh, this one's a dancer, this one's a painter, obviously that's, those are not uh, evaluative like uh, judgments and opinions uh, are saying, you know, this one's stupid, this one's bad, this one's wrong, this one's an idiot, this one's a jerk. So I started training my mind that I would say, when I would say, what an idiot, then I would say, no, there are no idiots. Sometimes it does seem as though some people act like idiots, but there are no idiots. Yes, it does seem that sometimes people act like they're fools, but there are no fools. So we're becoming the observer and stepping back from our judgments. So that we can 
consciously make a decision, is that where I wish to invest my God power? In that thought, he's an idiot. She doesn't deserve anything good. And many of the malicious thoughts that we don't even notice we're thinking. Are we willing to notice them? And just keep handing them over to the Holy Spirit for healing. Oh, this thought that there are idiots? I don't want to have that thought about anyone anymore. I'm willing to give up all thinking that people are idiots. I'm willing to give up all thinking that people are stupid. And I'll just tell you, <laughs> for me personally, one of the things that, that came up was I uh, lived in Los Angeles for a long time. And uh, I used to, on a regular basis, there was a period where I would be driving down Hollywood Boulevard, not Hollywood, uh, Sunset Boulevard, in rush hour traffic, and it would be so slow. And... Um, the traffic is just creeping, right? And you've got a green light and you're at the intersection, but you can't even go through because if you do, you might get caught in the intersection when the light turns red. So it's a green light, but you can't go. You're sitting there waiting for there to be room on the other side of the intersection so you can go forward. And the thing that was my pet peeve was it seemed like there was almost always somebody it was trying to make a right on a red. So you're waiting so patiently for a space to open up so that you can cross the intersection. And they take your space by going right on a red light. And when that first started happening to me in L.A., uh, when I first moved there, I would think, I would think of a name for that person. And the name had the first the second part of the name had a hole in it, okay? So I think, ugh, hole, right? And uh, so I was just labeling them because that's what the ego does. It sifts, it sorts, it compartmentalizes, it labels so that there's more separation, right? These people are the whole people, the ones who do that. And uh, I just think, golly, gee, how could you do that? It's the worst of the worst. And so I knew that I had really shifted when people could do that, and it didn't even bother me. It was just like, yep, go right ahead. Why not? Sure. Thank you for showing me that, yeah, it doesn't really bother me anymore. Like, yeah, all right. I'm going to get there when I get there. So being willing to really give up all the attachment to being the meaning maker all the time. This is our liberation. Because the ego, it knows it's alive. Because it's always judging. It's the meaning maker. It's the interpreter. But you see, when we're aligned with spirit, we don't have to make meaning of things because we know things. We don't have to interpret things because we know things. So as long as we're constantly interpreting and making meaning of things, we are denying our access to the knowing. 
we're saying the knowing what things are for is not really important to me. So this is one of the key teachings of A Course in Miracles is that everything serves a purpose in our life, but we can't know what that purpose is if we think that our interpretation is correct. We have to be willing to surrender the interpretations. And, you know, it takes willingness and... A lot of times, willingness takes practice. So that's why it's called spiritual practice. It is remarkable. It is extraordinary. It is miraculous how much healing can happen when we're really willing to practice. And for me, I went into a period where I was so excited that I could practice. I was so excited that I really got, life is not happening to me, it's happening by me. It's happening by me. And any time that I start thinking it's happening to me, I would like to change my mind. I would like to interrupt that pattern. But you see, until I was willing to take responsibility, the thought of it's all happening by me was terrifying because I thought it meant I have to take blame for everything. But if there's no blame, there's just observing without blaming. No one needs to be blamed. Blame is not helpful. It's never helpful. Then there's a real freedom that emerges and it is willingness that opens this door so I'm just seeing the time here and I want to see if anybody has uh, questions Um, and I'm going to just check if anybody wrote in a question. So, recognizing the divine alarm clock helps us to interrupt that pattern. It helps us to take a step back. We don't have to figure out how to heal the pattern. That's not part of our curriculum, figuring out how to heal the pattern. Our willingness truly is all that's required. And forgiveness is our function. So what is forgiveness? Forgiveness really truly is being willing to detach from the meaning that we made of things. It's being willing to step back from our interpretation and say, wait a minute, I don't know what anything is for. So I'm really not in a position to judge because I am not able yet to see through all directions of time and space. And so until I can, I'm just going to assume everything is for my good, even though it doesn't look like it all the time. I'm willing to 
see and feel and know that it is for my good. I am willing to do this because I would rather be happy than be on my own trying to figure everything out when I don't have the skills and the resources to figure everything out. You see, the ego always wants to try to figure everything out, wants to try to understand, why is he acting that way? Why did she say that to me? Why doesn't he recognize me? Why doesn't she blah, blah, blah? It's over and over and over. We're trying to figure everything out. If I do this, will that make them happy? If I do this, will it make me happy? Oh, I think I know how to make me happy. Oh, I think I know how to make them happy. Over and over and over again. Trying to this way, that way, this way, that way. It's an amazing shift that happens when we just say, okay, I'm really willing to know and to stop laboring in vain. I'm willing to just follow divine guidance and direction. But we resist doing that. Because we don't trust ourselves. Because we don't listen. We sometimes, we get the guidance, but we refuse to follow it. And so, going back to what Laurel was talking about, then there's this deep sense of guilt. I was just writing about this in my blog for tomorrow that the the prodigal son right in his story he didn't realize he could go home and be welcomed he went home thinking I would be better off being a servant in my father's house than being on my own so that's why he went home to be a servant He had humility then, the humility of being able to go home and say, hey, I thought I knew, I blew all that you gave me, or so I thought, and I learned that there's a lot I didn't know, a lot I took for granted, and now I'm willing to be a servant. But the father didn't say, anything about blowing the inheritance, right? Because our Father, Mother, God's inheritance for us is unlimited. No matter what, where it looks like we blew it, we wasted it, whether it's the years that the locusts have eaten, whatever we think we've wasted, we've done, it's all an investment that will pay off the minute we're willing to receive the payoff. And the payoff really comes when we're just willing to go back home again and be a servant in our Father, Mother, God's house. In other words, to serve the light by being loving, by being compassionate, by being generous, by being the joyful learner, by fulfilling our function of practicing forgiveness. So let's see, we've got Tracy raising her hand here. Hey there, Tracy. Hi, Jennifer. Oh, this is so good. Um, scribbling the notes really fast here. 
Um, okay, this is this is a real practical kind of question. I'm I'm finding that I'm um, doing better at the first part of the day in terms of noticing my thoughts or feelings when they're getting off track and and pulling myself back and that it's much harder when I'm tired and I'm wondering if uh, you have any tips for that I mean I I partly just tell myself okay you're tired just you know do your best try to try to choose a a better thought and a, a better feeling and if it's not fully successful um because in the earlier parts of the day, a lot of times I can really um, nip it in the bud, as you say. And, and sometimes when I'm more tired, it seems like I am not able to do it very well. And so any any help with that? Yeah, I think that's a really, really good question, Tracy. So A Course in Miracles, one of my favorite things it says, it says, Rest comes from waking, not from sleeping. Yes. Rest comes from waking, not from sleeping. So many times, uh, I used to feel this, and I've heard many um, many spiritual students say this, that so-and-so's negative attitude brings me down. It's exhausting to be around them. It's tiring to have to listen to them. What I learned for myself is that I get exhausted listening to people when I'm judging them. I get tired around other people when I'm judging them or judging myself. Mm -hmm. That it is my own negativity that wears me out. So... I I feel it's really valuable to me to just recognize I'm feeling worn out. So what's that about? And am I willing to actually call upon the higher Holy Spirit self for refreshment? If the cause of my exhaustion We could say, oh, I'm exhausted because I ran the marathon today. Uh Well, is everyone who ran the marathon today exhausted? Because I bet you there's somebody who's going out dancing. Uh You see, you could say, well, they have a lot of testosterone or this or that. Uh But is that really it? Uh So it's our thoughts that Uh are making our experience so when we feel tired what's that really about i think that for me is the thing that i feel when you're asking that question is to really that there's something else here that's at play and that is healing the cause of feeling tired Because I would say, for me, what I learned is if I'm feeling tired and exhausted, then I could have been interrupting the pattern hours ago. 
Do you see what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So let me just, in this moment, just say, okay, I'm feeling tired and exhausted and worn out, which if I were centered and focused in my loving heart, I wouldn't feel. Like I noticed, I I had a really wonderful teaching experience that was really unpleasant. (laughs) Uh, um, uh, Just about two years ago, I injured my back Uh from sitting in a meditation posture that wasn't that my back was not it was not supportive of my back. So I was I just tweaked my back and I I I inflamed the discs. And so the recovery process was very painful. And what I one of the things I learned was um I was I was doing everything I could as one often does, I was doing acupuncture, chiropractor, I was taking aspirin, I was taking Advil, I was heating, cooling, just all the different okay. kinds of things that one does. Okay. And of course I was praying, I was doing everything and, and I learned a lot through the experience. And what I noticed was when it came time for me to teach a class, I was clear. I, I The pain was a, a distant feeling. I was right there focused. I was energized by the spirit. My mind was was right there. But when the class was over, then I was back focused on my body and... Now I'm working with the pain as my teacher again. So it's that willingness to interrupt that pattern sooner. But But even if you feel exhausted, you can be refreshed in just a moment. Literally, you can be. First of all, to be willing, are you willing to be refreshed? Do, do you know what I mean? Because there there were many thousands of times in my life when I was not willing to be refreshed. Uh-huh. No, I feel exhausted. I feel tired. This world is beating me down. So now I have an excuse to drink a half a bottle of wine. Because uh-huh. I deserve it. So, uh, not that that's you, but it's mm-hmm. you know sometimes we're we're looking for some excuse to then mistreat ourselves and keep the cycle going because then I would drink that half or three quarters of a bottle of wine and then I would wake up feeling guilty, ashamed, mm-hmm. uh, hungover, uh, all kinds of things, and now. I'm like, oh, I did it again. I can't believe it. Oh my God, when will I ever learn? What's wrong with me? So it's interrupting that pattern. That's why I've got the in case of freak out or meltdown. So it really can be, Tracy, just some simple things like drinking a glass of spring water, mm-hmm. calling the prayer line. It can be just, I I really, I'm a huge proponent of just stopping, getting still, 
bringing my awareness literally to my heart, to the center of my chest, and say, I am willing to find the better way. Uh And I'm also a big proponent of calling upon the angels to support me in letting go of all attachments. Because whenever we're exhausted and tired, we have lots of attachments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I have been uh, more aware of that. So judgments and attachments, it's very good to be aware. I mean, it doesn't, it's not good. It's good to be aware. It's not good yeah. to have them. Yeah. 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 I mean, I like I always say, I still have many judgments come up every day. But my attachment to them it lessens every day, uh-huh. and for that I'm really grateful. So and I also might, I learned to laugh. Be, yeah. Okay. Remembering to laugh, and so okay. one of the things for me is when I had a strong attachment, I would I laugh and say, "Oh, I really have a strong attachment." Okay. That's helpful, I think. Mm-hmm. It's being the observer. Yeah. And and, and um, the laugh part, I think, is really helpful for me because um, I can just tend to, well, yeah, that's just helpful. I mean, the Course talks a lot about that uh, or frequently mentions remembering to laugh. So mm-hmm. some levity about it. Um Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Mhm. So, do you find ever that? Yeah. I, um, you know, never mind. I'm not going to complete that question. I I answered it before I asked it. <laughs> <laughs> well, all all attachments are judgments and opinions mm-hmm. about something. Yeah. yeah. All of them. So it's an attachment to the way it should be or the way it shouldn't be. Uh Thinking that we're right. Thinking that others are wrong. Uh And it's such a relief to let it all go. But not to the ego. To the ego, it's like, oh, no, I need these things. Uh I need these things. I, 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 I laugh in that scene in The Jerk, the movie The Jerk. Did you ever see that movie? No, I didn't. It's a pretty funny movie uh, with Steve Martin and Bernadette Peters. And so uh, Steve Martin plays this man who has a low intelligence, but he's a very sweet man. But he, he um, and he's married to, he marries uh, Bernadette Peters and he really loves her. And they go through a difficult time and they're breaking up. And he says, uh, I don't need anything. I don't need anyone. Right? You can go because I don't need anything or anyone. And um, and then he kind of turns around and he's like, except this. I need this. But I don't need anything else, just this. And I forget what it was. And then And then he's like, well, and this thing. I need this thing too. I just need this thing and this thing and that's all I need. 
and then, oh, no, I need this too. So I need this and this and this, and that's all I need. And that's how the ego is. Um, It's just a crazy bouncing back. I don't need anyone. I don't need anything. Nothing matters. And then, well, but no, this matters, and I need this, and and it's just going back and forth all the time. Uh And that's exhausting. Yeah, yeah, I think that's um, that's probably a big part of the tiredness that by the end of the day catches, yeah, catches up with me. And like you're saying, if I catch that that earlier on, um, okay, that's yeah. very helpful. Yeah, and so when you notice that your mind is judging, you can actually ask yourself. Do I wish to exhaust myself uh, entertaining these judgments and opinions, or would I rather invest my energy in something productive? Mm-hmm. Okay. Good questions. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Jennifer. Very helpful. Yeah. All right. So you see, it's this practical application of the spiritual teachings that is so helpful to us that we can really, it's amazing how fast we can change our life when we're really, really willing. So that's the thing that we're cultivating is this great willingness to be the observer, to interrupt the patterns, to go the other way, to change our mind and to call upon the higher Holy Spirit self to really truly do the heavy lifting of figuring out what is the the highest and best for us. Our willingness to just choose the highest and best is all that we must do. And then the Holy Spirit will, will bring it to us, will provide it to us. We have to be willing to give up thinking that we we know when we don't know so that we can know that we do know, <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, all right, so I'm going to say a prayer here in just one moment. But I, I would like to say that this week, what will really support you in this week is to start to focus in on what true forgiveness is. So it's really releasing the meaning we've made of things. It's releasing our attachment to being right, to making others wrong, or to being wrong and making others right. So I, or better than us, better than, less than, these are classic attachments. So... What I have found in cultivating this awareness, cultivating the observer mind, is really helpful, is to just write down the opinions and judgments. It can also feel like a purge. And I also find that the majority of people won't take the time to write them down, thinking that that is a time waster. Why write it down? I don't need to write it down. But you see, by writing it down, in a certain way we're saying, I don't need this anymore. And you can actually, I'm writing this down as a way of 
affirming this thought is not one that I need anymore. The willingness to really examine our thoughts is it requires great courage, and it, it is also something that the ego will go to great lengths to get us to stop. You know, it's at this point in the the class and the curriculum that where I'm really inviting you to start changing your mind at the deepest levels that a lot of people are like, uh, yeah, I don't think this is the thing for me. I think I need to do something else. It's totally understandable, you know. It, if If you're not ready to give up your opinions and judgments if you're not ready to change your mind or you don't feel like this is the um, the way to do it, it's understandable. The ego, I just find, will, for me, it will give me every reason possible to quit. And I, I have learned that it's very helpful to just say, I see you, I, I know what you're about, I'm not listening to you anymore, you had your chance to run my life and make me happy, but you didn't succeed, so now we're trying a different way. So watch and learn. Watch and learn. I, I don't want to fight with the ego. I don't want to kill the ego. I just am interested in no longer hearing the ego shouting and screaming. And it's a different experience of life, my friend. It really is. All right. So, cultivating this practice to be the observer. Interrupting the pattern for the reason that these are the ways that we love ourselves free of living in lack and limitation. When you are willing to write down the judgments and opinions, you'll start to realize and phones are a great way to write. I take notes on my phone all the time. It's so great. Uh, you can get a little notebook, whatever works best for you. And we start to realize, wow, I've been so focused on the negativity. I didn't even realize. And then we focus less and less on it. and We see our life dramatically changing. So we're taking a breath of love and gratitude here. So grateful and so thankful to open ourselves to the unprecedented, unlimited flow of divine love and goodness. We are willing and grateful to partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self and to release the attachments, the cravings, the aversions, the addictive compulsive tendencies and temptations. We're willing to give up the exhaustion. We're willing to give up playing small. We are willing to be our true selves and we are willing to be joyful and happy, fulfilled. We are sharing the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. Sharing our willingness, knowing absolutely that our life is naturally a life of joy and goodness. We are grateful and thankful to allow it to unfold most beautifully. In gratitude, we let it be. In gratitude, we know it's done. And so it is. Amen. 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 And give me one moment. I'm having a little technical difficulty. I would like to play a song here. 
me see if I can figure out what's going on. Okay, here we go. Yes. I love this song. It's by Celine Dion and is called I'm Alive. Uh, it's uh, just a beautiful, to me, it's another love song to God. I'm Alive by Celine Dion. And I love you. Have a great rest of your week. Mwah. Wings to fly. Oh, I'm alive.